What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail and a Harp. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bebs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. Uh, for the purposes of this particular podcast, you may call me Rockmeister McCool. Yes. You needn't, but you may. I, I say take the opportunity when it, when it arises. Um, Yeah, this is our letters show. This is our podcast where uh, we uh, have all of our listeners write in, if they so choose, and we read your emails or your letters if you choose to send them in the old snaily maily way. Uh, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. box? Because I can never remember it. Um, my, uh, you can actually write us a physical letter. Write it to the Critically Acclaimed Network. P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah. Write in today and get a, a free plant. <laughs> No, that, 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 that is not binding. That is not binding. No, no. Uh, but uh, uh, so, so limited supply. <laughs> While supplies last, we have no. Oh, supplies. we're out. Oh well. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you everybody for for joining us. Looking forward to reading your letters. Uh, in case you're wondering, yeah, it has been a weird week. Uh, we we haven't put out as many podcasts as we like this week. Um, it's just been really really rough over here for a variety of reasons. We apologize for that, but we're very very eager to sit down and just chat with you in this particular way and hear what's on your mind and answer little, your questions. A little bit and, of a little bit of a kibitz, a little bit yeah. of a chin wag. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're looking forward to getting back on track. Hopefully next week. But uh, for now. Uh, let's just sit down and enjoy each other's company. Whitney, what is our first email? Our first email comes from Lord Laxton. Ooh. We'll enjoy the company. Fancy. Lord Laxton. Uh, greetings due of extraordinary gentlemen. Uh, as always, a heartfelt thank-, thank you for the wonderful entertainment that your shows provide me with every week. In regards to your most recent letters episode, I have something that is not a correction so much as it, as it is an addendum. On okay. the show, Bibbs proclaimed the Atomic Lab with real uranium as the single most irresponsible thing marketed to children. Yes. Well, that is probably true. I suggest another strong contender <laughs> for the title. It would be Live Monkeys. Oh. Uh, I, I remember seeing these ads in magazines. Uh, you read that correctly. From the 1950s to the 1970s, <laughs> kids could buy... A real squirrel monkey from an ad in a comic book. The animal was shipped in a container the size of a shoebox, which lead many of the creatures arriving at their new home in a rather agitated state. Well, yeah. Truly fun for the whole family. Yeah, if they survived Jesus. it all. Just sho- shoving monkeys in the mail. On a little, uh... That kind of monkey, a little squirrel monkey. Those yeah. are the ones with the white faces. They're like... Yeah, they're from the movie Outbreak. Very yeah. small and kind of cute, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, they're cute, yeah. Uh, on a more cinematic note, I was wondering if you could give your thoughts on the current state of film criticism and discussion. Oh, well, that's a big question. What What is your opinion of the world situation today? I'm for it. <laughs> no, sir, I don't like it. Uh, while I think that social media has allowed a much more diverse range of voices to be heard, which is always a good thing, it has also led to a proliferation of fanboys and others who perf- uh, post uninformed clickbait opinions. Best wishes, Lord Laxton. Uh, pronounced in an excited whisper, a la Darren Aronofsky's mother, Lord Laxton. And uh, Lord Laxton provided a picture of one of these monkey ads that you can see uh, oh in, in the God. letter. I think it's I think it's true that to this day you can still mail chickens. Yeah, oh, like is they, that, I like think legally legal, you're can, allowed to like mail poultry. Mail one mailable 
animal. Yeah, I think that's I think it's like has to whatever reason. I know there's a lot of laws about mailing like insects, yeah. and, you know, things that might get out and, and infest. Well, they, that could mess with an ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to just throw animals everywhere willy nilly. You can ruin a whole continent that way. Well, wasn't there some big long gag on The Simpsons? Like, oh well, these. Lizards are everywhere, but we'll just hire all these cats. Well, what about the cats? Well, we'll just hire these pumas. Well, what about the pumas? Hire these pandas. Okay, well, what about the pandas? Oh, they'll just freeze to death <laughs> when the winter comes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I hadn't heard about those monkeys. Thank you for letting me know about those monkeys, even though I'm actually very sad to hear about those monkeys. That doesn't sound like a good position to anybody. So but, many... Uh, can, can you imagine being the poor mail carrier having to carry what you know is a dead monkey up to oh, somebody's Jesus. doorstep? Jesus, that's so sad. Can you imagine being just working in that building, just waiting for someone to like get their like Marvel fanfare comic and chop it up so it's worthless now and send off like, okay, well, finally we got one of these things and there's five bucks. Get one of the monkeys. And they're just, it's just a big vat, and they have a big scoop, and they just scoop well, they have out one of those claw monkeys. machines, like in the. Like in the <laughs> it's just a, a claw machine full of live it's, monkeys. But we, 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 it's an, it's a surreal image, but seriously, that's probably horrible, horrible for the monkeys. Absolutely, it was horrible. And it's really, really that, that just sad. That was fun for kids back in the fifties. That was what that was. Well, that's what we had instead of fun. <laughs> that's, what, so that's what we Pat, had horror. Pat, what passed for fun? We had horror instead of fun. Um, regarding uh, the state of film criticism. It's kind of a big topic. Um, the state of film criticism is uh, perpetually in some sort of flux, I find. Uh, but um, it all depends on which facet you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, from and from the perspective of someone who works as a film critic, there's some good news in that there's actually uh, a lot more of um, there's a lot more diversity. Mm. Uh, there's a lot more uh, voices being heard, published, uh, res- finding an audience, and that is a good thing. That is long, 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 long overdue. That part is amazing. The downside is that there's less paid work to go around yeah. than ever before. Yeah, that's an issue. And that sucks because to do the job of a film critic, not just like once in a while, not like write one article a month, mm-hmm. but to actually like write enough to like make your stamp and to like build your voice and find your audience and be able to speak on enough uh films and genres and uh, and other incidents occurring within the industry uh to the extent that you can build your name and become uh, uh a prominent voice mm-hmm. uh consistently uh is really really difficult because it takes time it takes physical time to watch these movies Build up an sense of expertise, mm. write the material, make the videos. If you're doing like online, if you're doing like YouTube videos or or podcasts, that takes more time. To not having any sort of reliable, reasonable income for what is a lot of work if you're doing it right, or at least if you're doing it enough, uh, is really really difficult. Especially the older you get, yeah. The more bills pay up, the more you have family responsibilities. It's just really, really hard, and it's very, very difficult to have people who can actually dedicate that time, and mm. that sucks. That really, really sucks. Yeah, the the idea of finding a professional film critic is is a very rare thing indeed, and yeah. uh, we're we're lucky to know a lot of professional film critics who are mm. sort of advancing the word all the time, and you yeah. know are. are People are far more talented than me, I can say that. Well, I don't know about uh, that. But regardless, there's a lot of but, incredibly uh, talented people. And a lot of them still have side hustles. 
Absolutely. I know a lot of people who, like, they're, they're, my bills aren't getting exclusively paid through this. I got, we have a soap store, which mm-hmm. I'm very, very proud of, Salt Cat Soap, on uh, Twitter, Instagram. It's an Etsy mm-hmm. store. We make soap. It doesn't pay all the bills, but it's, people have been really, really uh, eager to support it so far, and that's really, really great. But still, it's mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah, the, um, this was happening, uh, I remember Roger Ebert writing about this. This is how long this has been going on, the sort of flux of film criticism, how film writing as an activity has gone way, way up, and mm-hmm. film writing as a profession has gone way, way down. Yeah. And uh, there are a lot of websites that will happily explore young writers for free or pay them you know, mm. peanuts, on, yeah. you know, peanuts on the dollar just so they'll have something to f- fill their coffers. Mm. And then as soon as they ask for more, they just fire them and find somebody else new. Yeah, because they can't and, afford And I get it, because honestly, there's a lot of really good publications out there, wonderful people working for them. They're not making enough money to pay that even if they want to a lot. Yeah, of them. Yeah. Some of them do and they're not, and that sucks. But like a lot of them are just the money isn't there right now. And like it's so hard the, to, to be able to budget for a staff. You might be able to pay one or a, two people enough to do this and nothing else, but it's really hard. Yeah, and the issue with sort of uh certain the kind of criticism or just film opinion that you hear on social media mm-hmm. is, you know, we've talked about this a lot, how your social media is curated for you. They're actually designed to get you to react. And mm-hmm. outrage is the great a great way to get you to react. So yeah. if you react to something outrageous, the algorithm will start feeding you more of that. So it turns out you're, what you're seeing, all of these bad opinions, uh, are curated for you. They're, yeah. th- those, those are being pushed If you interacted with those, if you yeah. clicked on those, if you pr- hit like in any of those, you get more of them. You're not mm-hmm. seeing this like neutral, this is just everything that's happening on Twitter right now. This is yeah, everything happening yeah. on Facebook. It's not about that. Hmm. These decisions are made by algorithms and yeah, they're not made so, by people. So it's that sucks. So if if you're seeing all of these negative opinions, it's because you got really pissed off one day and you interacted with mm-hmm. it and wouldn't you know it, you, you set off the artificial intelligence. Yeah. And now that's what it thinks you want is to see more of it. So... And people mistake that for reality. They think yeah. that is a consensus opinion, all of these bad opinions. Or, really, or potentially all of these good opinions. If you're or good in, opinions, If yeah. you're in like a really particular fandom where every single, you like every single thing about, I don't know, Zack Snyder's corner of the DCEU, or you like every single thing about even something I might support, like The Matrix, uh, you're mostly going to get that kind of lopsided positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're still not necessarily getting the, a full critical picture. Uh, and that part stinks. Um, regarding the actual quality of the work, there's quality work being written and produced and uh, edited together and podcasts being made. Not even ours. Just ignore that. Like, there's quality work being done everywhere all the time. But as with everything, and this this is true with movies and music and food and whatever, mm. uh, just because you're good doesn't mean you're the popular one right now. Right. Uh, there's a lot of amazing things that never quite find a gigantic audience. Maybe they make do with a niche audience. Maybe they go belly up because they just couldn't quite find enough of an audience to make it work. Uh, and that's one of the things that we have critics for is to help find those good things. And because not everyone has the time to watch everything or read everything or watch every video or listen to every album to try to find what's good. That's a full-time job in and of itself. There's so much media right now. Mm. Which is why it's good that we have all of these voices. And it's bad that they're not getting adequately compensated for the amount of work that they do. Hmm. I would argue that one of the issues that arises with this particular... And this is something that we've been dealing with since I think the internet really exploded in the entertainment media. Uh, Anyone can do it. Not everyone necessarily has built up a significant expertise 
Uh, and that's fair to say mm. that everyone's on a different uh, level well, with that journey. Least, uh, you don't need to be an expert necessarily to have a mm. valid opinion or something interesting to say. But I, there is a frustrating amount I see sometimes. This is on a downside. There is sometimes a frustrating lack of curiosity mm. about uh, film history yeah. or uh, maybe uh, looking at the things that we tend to focus on constantly, your Star Wars is, your Marvels, whatever, through different lenses. Mm. I think that's something that's really, fo- there's a narrow focus yeah. that I think is uh, not helping anybody. And I think it is uh, contributing to a lot of film history, just to keep it on film, uh, being ignored or overlooked, uh, which makes it harder to find that because, again, algorithms. Yeah, and People the, aren't looking for it. The, the more people talk about it, the more uh, companies look at those numbers mm-hmm. and think that's what people want to see and just give them more of yeah. it. So, you know, Which is why it's really say, valuable for film critics to spend time doing that because every mm-hmm. single click, every single article that gets published like that helps keep it in the conversation. We're helping to keep things alive in the yeah, conversation. Uh, I, I, um, I saw an article recently. It was celebrating uh, the anniversary of the movie Blade Two. Mm. Uh, it was directed by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Um, to, to my eye, not a, a particularly interesting movie. It has some fun, gory monster so stuff. Fantastic but monster effects. Some cool otherwise, effects. bad script, not yeah. interesting, really. Um, I used to prefer it to Blade 1 just because of the gore and the mm-hmm. fight sequences, but nowadays it's actually flipped. The Blade, I think, is a stronger film. Yeah, yeah. They're both um, better than Blade Trinity. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> Blade <laughs> on, Trinity is on, not a good film. On that, we can agree. Woo! Um, but... Blade 2 came out at that time you were talking about when sort of film discourse really started to explode across the internet. And the first time, uh, the first people to really sort of rush in and fill that space were the nerds and the enthusiasts. A lot of them, yeah. So uh, it, it's been said that shows like The X-Files and Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of kept the internet afloat. Yeah. Uh, in addition to pornography. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you look at a lot of the voices from those I guess you have those early days, <laughs> those wild, wild days of the wild frontier of the, yeah. the early internet. And it's all nerds just trying to be funny and attract you with like shock humor. Yeah. There's a lot of that, that. that was really hip at the time. And yeah. you, you can call it irresponsible or bad. Uh, a lot of it really was. I think at the very uh, least we can say it's immature. Yeah, I, I stumbled upon a review written by, of all people, Harry Knowles. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, the Harry Knowles' review of Blade 2 of Blade was legendary two. even at the time. Yeah. Uh, in terms of pure it is, tastelessness. It, it is, like, aggressively crass. Uh, yeah. t- t- by design, he wanted it to yeah, be he was trying. Crass. He's trying to. he was trying to, like, you know... Compliment the movie, but be as gross as he could he was, about he was it. Trying he was to trying to be really sexual about he it. He was trying to capture attention for his website. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, and, and that that's, was, what, that's what shock humor is all about. You're getting people's attention. That's and, the idea. And that was sort of the, the hip yeah. Uh, yeah. form of comedy at the time as well. Yeah. A lot of the shock humor. Some but of it was, that review was, was just good, gross. Some of it, but that, that yeah, review that, was just prurient grossness. It's just really, really Unprofessional. Sick. Not, that's, don't, uh, don't, I do not recommend writing that way at all. It's one thing yeah, to find I, your I would, voice. It's like, dude, that some edit. This is why we need that. editors uh, to say, "Hey, don't write don't that. ever do that." Yeah. <laughs> that's no one. That's not helping anybody. Yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, that kind of set a precedent, I think, for online yeah. film discourse, where nerds who were trying to be funny mm-hmm. were setting the tone for what film criticism was going to be for the next decade. Yeah. And that is where a lot of film criticism still is. There's a lot of mm. like. Criticism comedy, which I wrote an article about recently, yeah, and uh, and just sort of the nerd heavy stuff, the things that uh, you know 
comic book nerds and geeks and Star Wars people were interested in. It's yeah. been that way ever since. Yeah, there's this very uh, there direct intersection between comedy and film criticism where the idea of film criticism is used as a delivery system for comedy. Yeah, yeah. More so, sometimes equally, but usually more so for and, comedy than criticism. And, and comedy is a form of criticism. I'm sure. not decrying comedy yeah. by any means, but uh, when people start to confuse the two, that's where the issue came in. And I think that is that's the purpose to be funny or is the purpose to be critical? It can be my both. Point, and my point is Some that's not a both, recent phenomenon. There's actually yeah. a pretty lengthy legacy that we're still seeing in, oh, yeah. play, look, in play today. Yeah, look at look at the Algonquin Roundtable. You look mm-hmm. at like Dorothy Parker's like reviews of theater. A lot of those are mm-hmm. just more interesting to hear Dorothy Parker talk than it is <laughs> to hear anything about the damn play. Uh, was it Dorothy Parker who wrote that really scathing review of Winnie the Pooh? Oh my God! <laughs> Read Dorothy Parker's review. If you think if you think critics are mean today, and a lot of people do, you have no idea what it used to be like. Dorothy Parker could destroy something. She didn't destroy Winnie the Pooh, but she could destroy something like completely. And. um yeah, read Dorothy Parker's review of Winnie the Pooh. It's great. I can't remember what yeah, book she wrote still, this about. Uh, it's still on the New Yorker website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was classic. published on August on October twelfth, nineteen twenty-eight. Yeah, and it's still a masterpiece of mean-spirited criticism. Yeah. Uh, she wrote. I'm trying to remember what. I can't remember what she was writing about. Uh, this is not a book to be tossed aside lightly. It should be thrown with great force. <laughs> yes. Which is one of my favorite <laughs> criticisms of anything. Uh, uh, here, here's a little an excerpt from Dorothy Parker. Yeah. Palm said, "Pooh, I put that in. I, I put that in to make it more hummy. And that word, hummy, in my darlings, is the first place in the house at Pooh Pooh Corner at which constant reader flowed up." <laughs> yeah, her persona as a literary critic was the constant reader. The constant, yeah, constant yeah. reader flowed up. Yeah, I think it was Dorothy Parker who said, "This is this isn't just terrible. It's fancy terrible with raisins in it," <laughs> which is also something I quote kind of a lot. I think it was talking about the new movie. More Morbius, where it was like, this isn't fancy, terrible with raisins in it. This is just terrible. It's just terrible. Like I would, I would fancy terrible with raisins would have been is, much preferable to this, what this we is got. Just plain. This terrible. is pretty plain. Yeah. Anyway, um, which is not to say that. Which is again, a lot of people like have an issue. I think one of the issues that's weird that's popping up now is this anti-criticism wave of criticism, mm-hmm. where being critical, we're being, uh, we're talking about negativity. Well, this uh, is, is in some the, way the considered let people enjoy things school of well, thought. I, maybe I feel like there's a certain amount of like life is hard. People are working really hard to make these things. Being negative about it isn't helping anything. But I don't think being purely positive about it is helping either. And I think that's a conversation well, we need also, to have a bit more nuance on because I think some people are like, yeah, I'm not even going to review it if it's negative. And I'm like, well, then you're not helping anything. You're not having a conversation. Well, also, We're not talking about the, what's actually happening in the art form right now. Yeah, I was about to say help, helping in what way? If you're writing a negative mm-hmm. review about a bad thing. Thing that is most certainly helping. We want the we want the medium to evolve, yeah. right? We want the medium to improve. We, if there are negative where, where trends, errors are being made. If we want, know? if there are negative trends out there, things that are making movies worse, either in practice, in terms of practical, uh, you know, in, in terms of just tech, technical stuff. You know, this recent wave of uh, uh, color processing is making every movie look the same, and it's annoying. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Or thematically, there may be actually troubling things going on in the undercurrent of a lot of our films. We need to talk about that. If we don't talk about that, nothing changes. Mm. You know, the, if the if the if the wheel is broken but it's not squeaky, it might not get the grease. But uh, anyway, it's a long, long topic. We could, if maybe with a little bit more focus, we could uh, uh, maybe make it a little bit punchier this conversation. But it's big and sprawling. Suffice it to say, there are good things happening in film criticism right now, and there are things that you know we need to grow too. And uh, I think the industry is in a really rough place right now, just in terms of 
being able to find work and that sucks so um i really really hope that the people who really want to do this and have something to contribute are able to stick with it mm-hmm. because it's not easy and i totally understand why a lot of people leave yeah <laughs> i totally get it it's not yeah. it's very very difficult to do this you know in a in a committed way nowadays so I appreciate every single person who does, and there's a lot of really wonderful voices out there. And even if there are things you don't like about criticism right now, there always will be. There's a lot of brilliant critics out there. Please seek them out. We should move on. We should move on. Uh, Here's a letter from Hans. Hello, Hans. Hi, Hans. Uh, Hey, Bibbs and Whitty. I live about two hours outside of Atlanta. and uh, The the lost city of Atlanta. And... uh, (laughs) And a couple of months ago, I got into a theater that was showing Drive My Car before it was on HBO Max. Hmm. I loved the movie, by the way, and I may not have sought it out as soon as I did had I not listened to your podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for watching. I love that movie. That's an honor. Um, Thank you. Anyway, I just arrived at the theater early, so uh, I decided to just walk around Atlanta for a little bit. On my walk, I happened upon a niche video rental store, and I was ecstatic. They had a wide variety of well-curated physical media, and it was so exciting to me. One of the things I wanted to pay attention to was what films they had that were unavailable on streaming, Mm -hmm. and maybe even difficult to find in physical. My first thought was a film uh, Whitney uh, mentioned on the Letter D episode of The Iron List, that being Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. Ah, Oh, Dead Alive. Shoot, I, I watched that movie nowadays? too many too many times. Is that hard to find nowadays? I don't know if it's on streaming. Yeah, I mean, bad. it's super gory. No, but it, it is one of the goriest movies ever. Oh made. yeah, like it's... by by a handy margin. Yeah, but in an entertaining way, I think it's, it's it, a comedy it, film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to my delight, they had it. So while I was not able to rent it on that trip, I am planning to make another trip to Atlanta specifically to rent movies at that video store, nice. which now finally leads to my question. Sorry about the ridiculous amount of preamble. Uh, <laughs> That's nothing for us. Don't worry about that. Uh, what are some films that you know are great, but have limited availability on streaming and or physical media? I'm hoping to be able to spend a night at a hotel in Atlanta and bring along my Blu-ray player just to watch many of your recommendations as soon as I can. Also, bless you, Whitney, for stumbling through my poor handwriting on my previous letter. Thank you so much, Hans. Um, that's a great question. Um, Uh, I'll tell you one right now that mm -hmm. is like, I, last, let me double check. Because last I checked, this Mm -hmm. had been removed from most... Yeah, there, there are, thanks to streaming, a lot of yeah. that obscure stuff just kind of pops up from time to time. Well, some of it isn't even obscure. Like, for the movie I was just thinking of, this movie was readily available on streaming uh-huh. until about mm, a year and a half, two years ago. And then it just vanished. Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. Oh, it's just gone? It's just gone. It's, I, if you look at there's a website I use all the time. Uh, it's reasonably reliable. It's not always 100%, but it's reasonably reliable. Uh, called Just Watch. Just Justwatch.com. Watch. Justwatch.com. It is, it's really it is handy, a yeah. really indispensable website if you're trying to track down films on streaming services mm-hmm. because it's really quite simple. You type in the name of a movie or if you're looking for a filmmaker, they'll do that too. Or an actor. Uh, and uh, they will tell you what services it's currently on. Sometimes there'll be a free service, or like if you have a subscription to this, you'll get it with no extra charge. Mm. Sometimes it's where you can like rent it on Apple or whatever like that. But regardless, here's where you can get it with a click of a button or two. Yeah. If it's not on there, it's something kind of horrifying about it. So Rebecca, Alfred Hitchcock's first American movie, won the Academy Award for Best Picture, the only Alfred Hitchcock movie to do so. And a movie which, I think it has a few problems, but it's mostly brilliant. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joan Fontaine gives an all-timer performance in it. Um... Judith Anderson as the wicked Mrs. Danvers is one of the uh, great, great villains of classic Hollywood. Uh, gone. It's just gone. It's just not, not, it's just not there. I think it's, I think it's pretty available on, on like DVD or Blu-ray. You can still get it there, but in terms of streaming, pff, good luck. 
Yeah, some films like kind of come and go. I remember, and this was another film that was nominated for Best Picture, and then uh, they put out sort of like a really fancy, crunchy double DVD set, mm-hmm. and then uh, come the Blu-ray era, you couldn't really track it down. And it's Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World, what? the Peter Weir film. You could not find that. It was just not in in rental stores back when yeah. rental stores were still like still barely operating. Uh, I think it's on HBO now. Uh, mm. Or HBO Max. I think HBO Now was the name of an actual channel. Yeah, uh, HBO Now was back when uh, if you had HBO cable, HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO yeah. Watch Now. Like there, HBO there Now is different. Like, HBO Now is if you had cable and you had HBO, you would get that for like I think no additional cost. And, it was, and then it was HBO like the Go was they did it like on demand. Yeah, and then I think and I, think, I could be mixing them up. And then HBO Go was if you don't have HBO and cable, you can pay a certain amount just for HBO. Mm-hmm. HBO Max is everything HBO has. Plus Criterion, plus mm. Warner Brothers, plus Turner Classic Movies. So it's a lot more on HBO. And Major yeah. Max is a better service. Yeah. yeah. Um, None of them have Tales from the Crypt. <clears throat> really sucks. Well, that's another one. Tales yeah. from the Crypt is out of print. Um, they made some DVDs, but then mm-hmm. uh, they... It's another one of those issues where two different studios own like different aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Like Some have the broadcasting rights and some have the characters, something like that. Uh, some have like rights to the original comics that they're based on. Uh, and as such, they're still in litigation over this thing. Like, who gets, you know, the, the right amount of money for this sort of thing? And if everybody wants a full share, they can't sell it because it'd be too expensive. Yeah. Uh, that was the deal with Batman for a long time, the 1966 series. You couldn't oh, yeah. find Batman because Warner Brothers owned the character. But Fox but owned Fox the show. Fox owned the TV yeah, show. Yeah, that was so, a real pain in Yeah, the so ass, Fox yeah. and Warner Brothers were in this big push and pull, but they ended up coming up with a deal. Yeah, there's, so, a, really, uh, there's a really good Blu-ray available. So yeah, yeah, you can get and Blu-rays. The, and the show is currently on Tubi, so that's not one of them. Mm. Uh, here's one, and this is something that we talk about eh, semi-frequently because the topic keeps coming up. Mm. Movie that is not available on streaming, this film is not yet rated. Oh, no kidding, the, Kirk, the Kirby Deck movie. Yeah, and I'm not shocked because I don't think a lot of people want that thing on streaming, but uh, this one was not yet rated as a 2006 documentary that basically uh, lifts the veil on the very mysterious Motion Picture Association of America, which rates movies on a scale of like G to NC-17, but does so remarkably inconsistently. With like absolutely, yeah, uh, with a real, real, real bias mm-hmm. against things like queer content. Yeah, the, yeah that, that was a big, a big issue, and, and yeah. Kirby Dick wanted to uh, wanted to find something else. So he actually like hired private detectives to follow the ratings board yeah. and figure. He got he reenacted like phone calls uh, and learned some weird things about the rules. And one of the things is you can appeal a rating, like uh, if your film is rated NC seventeen. Yeah, you can uh, say, hey, wait a minute. You can say, well, I think this should be an R-rated film. Can I appeal? And you're allowed to make an appeal, mm-hmm. but you're not allowed to cite any other examples yeah. that they've rated in the you're, past. You're not allowed to say, here's a movie that has very similar content, mm. very similar tone, same genre, but this one you gave an R, and mine you gave an NC-17, even though the content is obviously negligibly different yeah. in terms of graphic nudity or and, and violence keep, or whatever it and is. And they keep on trying to say, oh, the ratings are just sort of a guide for parents, but mm. they've they failed to acknowledge how seriously so many businesses take those ratings. Yeah, it Peter's prevents you from... Theaters won't book NC-17 rated movies. It prevents you from getting uh, work a lot of these. And, mm-hmm. like, it's... If you watch that thing, and it, hopefully things have changed, I would love a follow-up, because it's been over yeah. 15 years. But uh, if you watch that movie, you just lose all respect. For the, any respect you might have once had for that rating system, you realize that means nothing. Yeah. yeah. That means nothing at well, all. Well, as somebody who's worked in movie theaters pretty much his whole life, mm. uh, I've... 
I found that the ratings are kind of meaningless when the enforcers, like the mm-hmm. people at the front lines making sure the right people are getting into these movies, mm-hmm. are shiftless teenage clerks at a movie theater who really don't give a care. That's true. It's like, you know, if, if you're 14 and you want to see an R-rated movie and you're just sort of like, go up to the teenage clerk, nobody's really paying attention. Mm-hmm. It was not an issue. The only issue would be if a parent came in and complained. Don't tell your parents, you're good. You sneak in. Nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, so that that sort of made me lose a lot of <laughs> a lot of mist about the, yeah. the rating system. A uh, few more uh, films that are currently not available not on available? streaming: Dogma, Kevin Smith's Dogma, which I believe really? it's my understanding that that had something to do with a lot of Kevin Smith's like major films were made under the Miramax banner, oh, yeah. and I believe something like maybe Harvey Weinstein specifically owns the rights to that or something. Mm-hmm. And like personally, I don't know how true that is, but regardless, they're not readily available so dogma isn't available uh one of the best movies about movies mm. ever made shadow of a vamp of the vampire sorry shadow of the, that, that's a weird one that's shadow of the vampire not available elusive i believe it didn't it win the academy award for best makeup i think it did it was, it was nominated for, for best supporting, a, a actor, supporting actor for willem dafoe yeah. willem dafoe was nominated for best supporting actor for playing a vampire that's rare <laughs> the academy award acknowledging a horror performance is incredibly rare that movie is brilliant absolutely deserves uh, uh, more of an audience doesn't seem to have one. you know what's not on streaming mm. Wild at Heart yeah the David yeah, Lynch movie that, that yeah. won the Palme d'Or at Cannes yeah it's really well known I keep thinking I, you have to imagine that Criterion is trying well, you have to imagine that's yeah. gotta be a because pre- they're putting out David Lynch movies like oh Near Dark oh Near Dark the, Catherine uh, the Bigelow's Catherine Near Dark movie, has yeah. been has occasionally it has popped up I remember there was a brief period where let me see maybe, maybe it's still available right now mm-hmm. It is current. Okay, it, Near Dark is actually now available on uh, Shutter, or at least some Shutter, uh, and Mubi. Mm. So uh, watch it while you can, because sometimes it just completely vanishes, and it sucks. Because that's one of the best vampire movies. I just did an article uh, for the Wrap mm-hmm. where uh, they asked me to, to uh, highlight the best vampire movies ever made, yeah. and I did like the top twenty-three. Yeah. Shadow of the Vampire was like number twenty-four. It didn't quite make it. Near Dark sure as hell did. There, so there's some like can. good like dark, edgy indie films mm-hmm. uh, that yeah just aren't getting like a lot of Gregor Aki's movies aren't available. Yep. Uh, and again, I'm sure the the reason why these aren't available is different for every film. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you can't see Happiness, the Todd Salons movie. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm, I'm looking up just like lists online. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I'm trying to double Splendor check. Splendor and Nowhere, those are Gregor Aki movies. Those are not yeah. available. Uh, the Doom Generation as well. Yeah. Uh, not that you necessarily want to, but Larry Clark's Kids. Oh, here's another vampire movie that was on my list: George Romero's Martin. Yeah, that one's hard. Martin to find. is a brilliant horror movie about a guy who thinks he's a vampire but might mm. not be, mm. uh, and. Boy, is it creepy. You can't see Super Mario Brothers. That cannot be right. Super I'm looking Mario, that one up. Yeah, look it up. But according to what I'm looking at right here, Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers, the movie. The movie, 1993. Currently not streaming. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Even These Cal- are not small films. No, even Cowgirls Get the Blues. That's a Gus Van Sant movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, PCU, True Lies, a James Cameron action film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With True Arnold Lies. Schwarzenegger. True it's Lies. one of the biggest movies of all been, time. They have been trying on. to, uh, like, James Cameron has allegedly been working on, like, a 4K version of that. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's just taking forever. Yeah. Like, no one, it's weirdly unavailable. It's. Mm. Yeah, that movie was huge when it came out. Yeah, again, these are not necessarily small films. Some of them aren't necessarily good films, but they're I'm, all... I'm noticing a lot of know. these films I'm looking at on, on the list oh, I'm seeing is... Yeah. Uh, a lot of these are like mm-hmm. NC-17, like Henry and Gene yeah. is on this list. Uh, a lot of, yeah, of Rick, heavier, Gregor Aki movies, yeah. kids. Uh, 
Let's see, Wild Orchid, if you remember that movie. Mm-hmm. That's a you know, softcore smut movie from the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there is just this sort of aversion to uh, more sexual content. There might. There like, might. It, could it, be might it might be It might be less in demand. Um, and one more, and then we'll move on. Here, you want Because we're talking about a lot of mainstream stuff. Here's a weird movie. <laughs> you want to see a really weird movie? That, like, why? Why did you make this? And it's currently not available on streaming. I'm double checking. Mm. I'm double checking. Hang on. Bada bing. It is currently not available. Meet the Apple Gates. <laughs> Meet the Apple Gates is so bad. Meet the Apple. I'm not saying like, it's good. It's, it's it is incredibly strange. Meet uh, the Apple Gates is a very very very. So basically, here's the deal. It's, it's sort of in the the Tim Burton mold, I guess. Yeah, it's in it's in a very strange Tim Burton kind of uh, Barry Sonnenfeld kind of deal, directed by Michael Lehman of all people. Uh, but basically, Ed Begley Jr. and Stocker Channing play giant bugs, and these giant bugs they, are human they can, size. They, they can mutate and and look like humans. Yes. Humans are destroying the environment, so these giant bugs have decided to infiltrate suburbia and try to look as normal as possible so that they can prepare for the downfall of the human race by, like, nuking every power plant on Earth, and only the bugs will survive. However, once they start acting like suburbanites, they start falling into all of the things that suburbanites fall into, things like uh, infidelity, mm. drugs, uh, you know, just juvenile delinquent it's, shit. Yeah, uh, the, 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 Alcoholism. The, the teenage girl uh, get gets impregnated by a human boy, and, and like, oh, like, does that end in a yeah. weird and gross way? <laughs> um, it's a very ill-advised film. Yeah, it's a lot of really gross, weird, stupid stuff in it. Um, you kind of have to see it to believe it. It used to be on TV all the time. It is not easy to find right now. If you can. I highly recommend it, not because it's good, mm-hmm. but because you ain't never seen that shit. If you haven't right. seen Meet the Applegates, you haven't like seen a film kind of like it. <laughs> you, <laughs> well, I, I saw a film called Meet the Hollow Heads, which is really similar to John I mean, There, there and, are know, other there's, films there's that are like mocking suburbia, like that, but yeah. you haven't seen the specifically the giant bug family in suburbia. Like the, the specifics, this, I, is I not, not. this isn't exactly the same as everything uh, else. Uh, uh, have, so definitely check that one out. Yeah, Dead Alive is not on streaming. Heavenly Creatures isn't on streaming either. That's sad. And, yeah, which what about, what about Forgotten Silver? Uh, that I don't know. I'm going to um, look up Forgotten, yeah, look up Forgotten, Forgotten Silver. Forgotten Silver. I hope so. Forgotten um, Silver is, uh, let me see. Forgotten Silver a, a is... a mockumentary by Peter Jackson. Yeah, Peter... About J- the, the early days of cinema, but uh, <laughs> rewriting history so that it was all, it all happened in New Zealand. There was this one New Zealand filmmaker in the silent era like, who like did M- things... Mackenzie Crawford or something? Something like or, that. Uh, uh, he, he allegedly, he invented things like color cinema or synchronized sound and all of these things that we now take for granted today or like we all know the films that allegedly started these enormous innovations they all happened in new zealand but through unfortunate luck they never quite found popularity he went to great lengths to uh fake historical footage Mm -hmm. and it was pretty convincing there's some people who watch this documentary on tv and he never quite winks at the camera some people were convinced that it was real. Wow. And it was a point of some national pride. And then it was like, no, no. no. Colin McKenzie, I think his name Colin was. Colin McKenzie. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, Forgotten oh, Cro- Silver is a Crawford wonderful. Crawford McKenzie was uh, uh, Craig Ferguson's character from that movie. The yeah. What was it? The big... Ah, uh, the big cut, the big... Uh, oh, uh, oh, he plays the, the hairdresser. The big tease. The big tease. That That's was a it. funny film. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but anyway, I'm, Forgotten Silver is, is wonderful. It's not currently available on streaming. Please find it. It's great. I'll recommend a really fun Italian horror movie I saw called Cemetery Man. Is that's that not a, that's not no. available on streaming. That movie's uh, with, amazing. Yeah, with Rupert Everett as a yeah. guy who works in like this handsome comic book dude who works in a cemetery where the the dead come back occasionally. Yeah, every time every time you get buried in that cemetery, like seven days later or whatever the exact there's the exact number of days when you come mm. back from the dead, and he always just there to like okay, just shoot him in the head. That's part of the job. And then That's and part of the game. Rebury them, yeah, yeah. Every but single it, time, it's, it, and it starts playing out as this really bonkers love story where he falls in love with this girl who might, and another uh, his assistant also falls in love with another girl and she dies and yeah. it's waiting for her to come back. Yeah, it's really uh, weird. It, it's it's incredibly bizarre. It's yeah. it's like an Italian soap opera gory zombie movie. Yeah, uh, really, really psychedelic movie. Uh, I, I recommend Cemetery Man. It's, Very much it's, so. It's it's pretty sweet. I agree. All right, we should move on. Uh, Hopefully the. I think it's a fair amount of suggestions. Yeah. Good luck. And uh, seriously, where you find video stores or where you find video rental establishments, there aren't a lot left. Support them when you can. Oh, Days of Being Wild isn't on streaming. I, and Crash there's always more. On streaming. Yeah. But seriously, support them where you can because there's they have a limited reach, obviously. And if you can't, if you don't live in the area, buy a T-shirt, buy a mm. used DVD, something. Support them where yeah. you can. They need we we need these places because otherwise, a lot of these films will remain unavailable. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. All right. So moving on. Um, here is a letter from Charles. Hello, Charles. Mm. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool, uh, so nearly two years ago, I asked your Twitter account for advice regarding a detail in a fantasy short story I was writing. Mm. I'm emailing you to let you know that the fantasy story recently appeared in the science fiction and fantasy site Metastellar. Ooh! And and there's a link here. Um, C-Q-C-H-O-I, C-Q-Choy.com, slash kill hyphen your hyphen darlings. Uh, the story takes place in California. I asked you for a boring, safe one, safe city one to two hours from Los Angeles, and you su- suggested Temecula. Yeah! Used. Um, the story starts off about a woman who takes it upon herself to visit the star of her favorite childhood show and spirals off in some unexpected directions. In addition to appearing in Metastellar, it was also, re- also received an honorable mention in the Writers of the Future contest. Uh, normally I'm just a science journalist by trade, but I've also recently begun writing science fiction and fantasy. My first sci-fi story appeared in Analog Magazine, hmm. which once upon a time syndicated the first Dune novel, which I found quite exciting, as you might imagine. Anyway, uh, if you read my story, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, P.S. I emailed you about a scene between Data and Pulaski in January. You read my letter, and I'm glad you reconsidered your stance. <laughs> Big fan of your show for a while now. Uh, cool. Thank you so I'm, much. I'm glad we could suggest a dumpy town in Southern California. Oh, and we we found one. <laughs> oh, yes. Temecula is, Temecula is not great. I'm sure, if there's anyone listening who's from Temecula, um, if you like it, cool. I've been there many <laughs> times. It was not great for me. But, um, you know, everyone's experience, I guess, is different. Um, We've joked a lot, because one of the jokes on on the new Star Trek animated show, Star Trek Lower Decks, is uh, they fly around on a California-class ship. It's this rinky-dink little ship. It has Mm -hmm. very little on it. Uh, There's... No, there's no, like, quarters for the the ensigns. Mm -hmm. They just sort of sleep in a hallway, and they shower in that same hallway. Uh, And all of the ships are named after, like really unimpressive cities in in Southern California. It's kind of a joke for California residents. So the main ship is called the USS Cerritos, which, uh, yeah. if, if you know anything about Southern California, is only famous for... for having an auto square. An auto square. It's where you go to buy cars. Like, there's Cerritos nothing else. Cerritos auto square! That's the... That's the yeah. So, uh, I something, 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 South Beach, Cerritos Auto Square. Well, <laughs> I can sing you the, the Pete Ellis Ford uh, jingle. Uh, do it. Pete Ellis Ford, Long Beach Freeway, Firestone Exit, Southgate. 
90 Road Freeway, Lakewood, Exit, Bellflower. There are two locations. Uh, uh, Pete Ellis Ford here in Southern California. And uh, No, you won't get a lemon. I could have bought a lemon at Foster at of Orange. Toyota of Orange. Um, <laughs> these are all local commercials. Yeah, these really. are local commercials from <laughs> just from Southern California. Yeah. Look, look up Cal Worthington at some point. Oh, yeah. It's Cal Worthington and his dog spot. You can find like local Cal Worthington ads. Those were ubiquitous oh, yeah. for, for people our age in Southern California. Uh, Cal Worthington lived to be like 95 Ooh. and he kept on selling cars Good right up to the very end. He got a, like a profile in LA weekly at one point Good for him. It's like, what's special about him? Well, just the commercials really. He's yeah. just selling used cars. He's not doing anything, you know, particularly it, impressive about he it. He did it. In a, he did it with such, with such, uh, such pizzazz. Yeah. yeah. That he managed to become a, something of a local celebrity. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but thank you for that. And everyone seek out that story. It's called kill your darlings. Uh, and it is in Metastellar, uh, in, Metastellar 20, in 2022. Right. Yeah. Um, here's a letter from Name Redacted. If you don't sign off, yeah. by I got no name. So here's a letter. Uh, it says, really excited to hear about all of your love for everything every, everywhere all at once. Yeah. Uh, that We reviewed that on our oh, most well, recent Whitney did. I, I still haven't had a chance to see it. Uh, Rough week. I, I hope you do. I've had such a long week. I'm so sorry. Jesus. Moving uh, on. I'm a big fan of the Daniels, uh, the directors of that film. Uh, Swiss Army Man is my favorite movie of the decade and of all time. Oh, is that them? Okay, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Uh, yeah, Daniels also did Swiss... I think they also did, like, a bunch of shorts, but their only two features are Swiss Army Man and everything everywhere once. Uh, you and and Bibsy Boy owe it to yourselves to watch this masterpiece, and who knows, maybe you'll feel inclined to review it. Here are some other random recommendations. The Toll... From 2021, I don't remember the toll. No, uh, Vivarium from 2020. I remember when that one came out, but I did miss it. Yeah, uh, Sweetheart from 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Void from 2016 is a horror mm. movie. I remember I when that came out. Yeah. One. And uh, I also really love Daniel Isn't Real, which we did see. I think we reviewed. Yeah, Daniel I like Daniel Isn't, Isn't Real, Real yeah. a lot. That's a really good one. Yeah, yeah, that one's on Shutter. Uh, appreciate all your recommendations from you guys. Mm. Uh, I appreciate all the recommendations from you fellows. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, and it turns out the Danielses also did uh, the music video for Turn Down for What? Yeah. Which is one of the better music yeah. videos of the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, it's really memorable. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, <laughs> stop the podcast, watch it. It's a treat. Mm. Uh, so there you go. A lot of people smashing through walls and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's got energy to spare. It's great. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you for that. Thank you. Uh, here's a letter from JLo. We hear from JLo pretty often. Hi, JLo. Uh, greetings, gents. Uh, when Coda. Uh, this is about the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Coda won Best Adapted Screenplay after after winning Best Supporting Actor, I said to myself, oh, Coda will win Best Picture. Yeah. And an hour or so later, I was correct. In the last decade, four Best Picture wins won the same or similar categories spaced throughout the night, starting with a Best Supporting Performance, in the mm-hmm. middle winning Best Screenplay, and finally closing out the night with Best Picture. Yeah. These were the only Oscars these films won. In chronological order, 12 mm-hmm. Years a Slave, mm-hmm. Supporting Actress, Adapted Screenplay, Picture. Moonlight, supporting actor, adapted screenplay, picture. Yep. Green Book, supporting actor, adapt, original screenplay, picture. Mm-hmm. And Coda, supporting actor, adapted screenplay, picture. Yep. Uh, are there conclusions that can be drawn from this pattern? <laughs> is that it? Is that the, uh, oh, and, uh, uh, also, with Ariana DeBose's win, she becomes the third performer to win an Oscar for the same character. You previously had mentioned uh, Brando and De Niro, but forgot Ledger Phoenix for Joker. Uh, did we forget uh, that? That's weird. I, I knew that. Uh, okay. Um, uh, don't lose that point in the Schmodown. <laughs> no, no, fair enough. Yeah, it's 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 uh, so, yeah, those are the three they... characters. It's Tina from uh, is it Tina or Ani- Anita? Anita, sorry, mm-hmm. Anita from uh, West Side Story, which is Rita Moreno and Mariana Debose. 
the Joker from The Dark Knight and Joker, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Vito Corleone from uh, Godfather mm-hmm. Godfather Part Two. Because the only times there were whoever uh, won for playing the same character. I think nominated um, has happened a bunch of times. I think Ariana DeBose and Rita Moreno are an exception, however, because mm-hmm. they are literally playing the same character at the same age at the same time. Yeah, they're playing. Well, they're, uh, they're in the they're, one's a remake, so they're playing mm-hmm. basically the same scenes. Yeah, yeah. and same music, um, more or less. The two Jokers are two different versions of the same character. True, they exist in different universes. It's a yeah, different kind of performance yeah, for each. I'll let it go, but like, and, yeah. uh, and uh, Vito Corleone is two different character, the same character, but at different points in their life. Yeah. So they're, they could technically be two different characters. I, I, think, I, think, I think Rita Moreno and Ariana DeBose are the most similar characters to have won. An, I agree. I think the trivia still holds, but I agree that they're mm. definitely the ones who are doing the closest thing to each other. They're yeah. like, yeah. It would be like if, um, I don't know, two people won for playing Hamlet. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's you're playing basically, you, maybe your lines have been cut in a different way, but basically you're playing the same performance. Um, apart from Olivier... Who's hmm. won for a Shakespeare performance? Uh, Maggie, did Maggie Smith win for Othello? Oh, I don't know. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, that. I, that I think up. Maggie um, Smith won for Othello. Yeah, look, look that up because I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think um, Olivier won Best Actor for playing Hamlet for his 1948 version. Uh, I'm not 100% on that. Right. Uh, look that up too. Let's see here. <laughs> Bum, okay, bum, well, bum, while, while you're looking that up, I'll, I'll move on to another one. Oh, yeah. Vamp for me. <laughs> Give me a vamp. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of now just sort of Shakespearean movies that were up for Academy Awards at all, apart mm. from Kenneth Branagh and Laurence Olivier. Oh, mm. I guess uh, uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream in 1935. Mm. That was oh, she was nominated for Othello. She didn't win. Okay. It was her first nomination, though. I'm, not, I'm just oh, okay. not crazy about it. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone actually, actually did win for playing Shakespeare. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's seen as like too theatrical. Not, not well, it's just hard. To, it's hard to. And, and of, um, course, and of course, uh, Denzel Washington nominated again. Nominated, that didn't yeah. win. You know, um, I'm always surprised that Kate Winslet didn't get nominated for Hamlet. In my head, she did. Kate Winslet from for Brandon's Hamlet. Yeah. Okay. She's great. I don't know. I, just, I mean, everybody's great in that movie. I know, but for whatever, I think at the time people were saying she would. Mm. Like she seemed like a shoe in, and then she just wasn't, and it was weird. I'm surprised to you know. Shakespeare and actors like Richard Breers, I think is his name, who plays Polonius in that production. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's great. He could have been nominated for an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. That one should have gotten so much more awards attention. And I think yeah. it just didn't because Hamlet was maybe sort of seen as a gimme. It's like, oh, of course it's going to get a lot of awards. It's like mm-hmm. one of the most celebrated works of literature it's ever. Hamlet. Written. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, Olivier won for playing Hamlet in 1948. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that, you're right. He beat, who did he beat? He beat Lou Ayers for Johnny Belinda, Montgomery Clift for The Search, Dan Daly for When My Baby Smiles at Me, and Clifton Webb for Sitting Pretty. I haven't seen all those movies, but let's be honest here, Olivier is the one whose performance seems to have lasted the longest yeah, of the consciousness. So, at least for historical memory. posterity, that makes yeah. sense. So, Anyway, right. uh, moving on. Uh, here's a letter from OK. We've heard from OK in the past. Mm. Um, uh, hi. Question. If I'm writing this in Finland, Dear Whitney Seibel is reading out loud and Dear Bibbs is listening, then who's piloting the plane? No! <laughs> oh, Michelle, got it? Yeah. Michelle's got it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's, it's, in a, it's nicely done, by the way. 
<laughs> got, got, got a thumb up from him. Uh, anyway, um, in a recent episode of that great podcast where you got mail, <laughs> one writer mistakenly called the worst person in the world a Swedish film when it actually takes place in Norway and is a Norwegian film uh, by a Norwegian director and spoken in Norwegian. Whoopsie. Um, I have also uh, spent many years mispronouncing that director's name. I've pronounced it uh, Joachim. Yeah. It's Joachim. Yeah. Uh, because he is Norwegian. I technically, uh, it is financed by several countries, but I still say it's wrong to say that you get the same thing from Bergman's Swedish films. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not a big deal for me personally. If people mix up similar countries, I do think it might mean more to people from Sweden and Norway. Mm-hmm. Also, coming from some uh, from someone from a country as huge and powerful as the United States, it makes it feel a bit more important to correct. Mm-hmm. That being said, uh, yes, but we are also quite ignorant. We're big and powerful. <laughs> don't forget. We're big and powerful. We're also very uneducated. <laughs> you know, we're big and powerful, and we don't go to school, and we don't read, <laughs> and we don't know anything about geography or other countries. Yeah, that's not great, is it? No, it's not great. No. That's kind of where we are. Shit. <laughs> the U.S. is not great <laughs> at a lot. Uh, that being said, I wanted to emphasize that I'm trying... I, I'm not trying to call put call out anyone, yeah. but uh, just correct a tiny mistake. Geography is hard, and there are a lot of countries in Europe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know those countries. I've been to a couple of those countries in Europe. Uh, I, sp- I spent a couple weeks in a town called Vasa in Finland, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Uh, north of Helsinki because that's the only city anybody knows in Finland is Helsinki Uh, and I got to uh, I was there uh, I went in the winter and stayed through through the start of spring and uh, it was really unbelievably dramatic uh, because the family we were staying with you know it was bitter cold we all had our our coats on it was freezing outside Uh, everything was really really well insulated if there was a, a beam of sunlight in Vasa you could find people just laying on the ground in it Wow. It was great. Like, they'd just stop on the street and just sort of lay in the sun for a little bit. Huh. And uh, one day, the family said, okay, we're putting away all the winter stuff. And we said, why? They said, well, today's spring. And we said, what? You know, it's but it's still cold out. And wouldn't you know it, spring started that day. Wow. Like, the weather was that predictable. <laughs> wow. That's impressive. Yeah. So, um, I think it's just something about it, about Finland's geography, is they, sure. they could really predict the weather. Uh, anyway, uh, bu- 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 in the same episode of... Uh, in the same episode, the topic of why can't you let people just enjoy things came up again. This mm-hmm. comes up frequently. And while the topic is kind of exhausting and seems like often stuck on the same points, there's something I, I haven't personally seen brought up. I, like many others, experienced a lot of bullying about the things I liked when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. This is common. And when people bring this up, it's often countered with, yeah, but those things are now the most popular things in the world. You won. Which is certainly true for many of the things like superheroes and Japanese comics and whatnot. But one thing I think needs to be pointed out is that bullying often leaves trauma. Yeah. Uh, sometimes big, sometimes small, depending on the person and the situation. And that trauma doesn't just disappear by pointing out some statistics and facts. Mm-hmm. So even as adults, people might feel attacked and get anxious when some critics criticize yeah. the things they love. Yeah. Not because they've made uh, they've made liking things their personality, but because the trauma is still strong and the situation may be triggering. I'm not saying that people should stop criticizing popular things or, quote, yucking others' yums. I mm-hmm. certainly shit on things from time to time in my reviews, too. But I do think it matters how we do it and just keeping those things in mind when actually talking with someone might help. Mm-hmm. It certainly is a complicated thing. Yes. Uh, in other news, yes. Uh, it's the last week of my first period of my movie group that I've told you about in my previous letters. This nice. is why I read the. I was hoping OK yeah. would update us on this. Um, 
the group was mostly a ton of fun. Sometimes I forgot my points during the presentation, but that's not a big deal because I don't get paid for it. And the attendance was low. Usually only two or three people came, but the conversations were really nice and people liked the films I chose. So I probably will do it again in the next period. Oh, good. Glad to hear it. That sounds nice. If it's rewarding, please continue. Currently, I'm thinking of showing uh, in order... Taxi Driver, Rocky, Mm. uh, Star Wars, Mm. and Superman. Uh, Just because I feel like watching them and I feel like it creates a fun journey from a really dark movie to a really light one. Taxi Driver to Superman. Yeah, that makes sense. And yes, these are super popular movies, but the uh, the people and at the culture workshop aren't necessarily big movie fans at all mm-hmm. and never know. And you never know who's missed what. Well, it's always a good idea to remind people of like movies that cause sometimes they're movies you heard of, but these are movies from the 1970s and the younger you are, the less likely you are to run into them casually. And we were just so, talking yeah. about how some things just aren't on streaming. And yeah, so people aren't going to necessarily stumble across something that's even really popular, well, people, something like Wild at Heart. Well, people just don't stumble across hardly anything anymore. You usually it's find all, something because you're looking for it. So having an opportunity to make a point mm-hmm. of seeing some of these classic films from the 1970s is a good thing, I mm-hmm. think. So, yeah. I mean, some people will see them, some people won't. Mm-hmm. Either way, it sounds like you're going to have a good crap. Those are excellent yeah. films. Uh, it says, you'll never know what uh, who missed what. And, you know, it's my group. I don't there get paid, go. and this is what I'm feeling currently. It might change when... It's time to actually make the decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, after all that, thank you for constantly doing such amazing podcasts. You constantly make me think more critically of films and the culture around them. And you're both funny and good-looking, too. Uh, William. That's uh, not good. No. Good luck with the Schmodown this year, too. Thank I you. always watch the show on Saturday mornings together with my best friend, and we're both excited to see the see where you'll end up this year. Thank you. Uh, start has certainly been promising for you both. Have a ton of fun with love and respect. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding what you were talking about in terms of of uh, the let people enjoy things thing and how uh, some people uh, were indeed treated poorly for the things that they liked as a kid. I have been one of those. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people can identify that with that on one level or another. And if there's one thing I know, it's whatever the reason, yes, bullying leaves scars. Doesn't matter what you were bullied about. Does I mean, it, it matters, but like it's regardless of what you were bullied about, it leaves scars. Especially if you have to endure it over a long period of time. It uh, trains your brain to work in a certain way. Uh, I deal with this a lot, actually. I have uh, various, uh, what you would call, intrusive thoughts that are basically, no one's bullying me right now. I'd better treat myself like crap and tell myself I'm horrible in some way. Your brain got so used to it yeah. that now you do it yourself. Yeah, it's a yeah. pattern. It's something yeah. that my, my, the, the, it releases like chemicals into your brain. That like, mm-hmm. like Anxiety is like this as well. Mm-hmm. If you live with anxiety enough, especially when you're a child, your brain just gets used to pumping out those anxiety chemicals. And then even if you have nothing to it's be anxious almost, about... It, it's almost like an addiction in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, it is, d- actually. D- depression yeah. My therapist likes, likes it to that way, yeah. feed itself. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's really an insidious thing. Yeah, and again, if you have nothing to be anxious about, your brain still wants to release those chemicals, so mm-hmm. find something and it can be really really difficult not everyone shares this experience but i bet there's quite a few who do regarding that however and my one counter to that because yes that is reasonable Mm -hmm. and a lot of people especially on social media they're not treating social media as you know a serious publication they're treating it as almost like an online diary or something where they can sort of uh uh, respond very naturally to things and not necessarily think about uh the great long-term consequences of everything that they say because they're not trying to be writers or trying to be in the public eye necessarily. They're just no, or, venting on the internet. Or, or they don't even care who reads it. Yeah. Just sort of yeah, casually. Whether they're young on. or they just they don't put any value in it. I, I get it. Uh, but here's the, here's the thing I think we need to be cognizant of, though, with, even with that being said. Um, bullying is a behavior that can create cycles if we're not careful. 
and it is easy in certain circumstances for people who have been bullied to take on bullying forms of behavior in certain contexts if they're not careful. Uh, and that's something that we need to be careful of. And when we say things like, hey, the thing that you enjoy, and this is not true for everybody. There's a lot of things people enjoy that are not the most popular thing in the world right now that they might have gotten bullied for. But if you were bullied mm. for maybe, say, liking Marvel Comics, that's the most popular thing in the world right now. Mm. Uh, and I get that you might still be protective of it. It might still be, sort of, there, there might be some really uh, traumatic memories attached to it. But you also don't want to wield that like like a club. Mm. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to beat down people who just aren't into that because yeah, that well, just that just creates a cycle in which there'll mm. be resentments that will per, that will return in in future generations I, I think, we have uh, to we have to at some point try to handle these things as maturely as we can I, I think this goes back to what I was saying about those early days of internet criticism uh, because mm-hmm. that I that was about the time when sort of nerd culture began to sort of form in earnest mm-hmm. and it happened to coincide it, with like this big industrial and industry-wide shift towards taking things like superhero movies seriously yeah, star wars had come put, back putting a lot more money into that star wars had come stuff. back yeah. the matrix had changed yeah. a lot of so, things so like yeah yeah makes sense. so all of that stuff became popular again but a lot of the people who were early boosters of that were the people who had been picked on and bullied yeah. for liking that so when they sort of moved into the main discourse those same people mm-hmm. uh went in with a chip on their shoulder yeah. They said, this stuff is is actually really good. Now you're part of this. This was mine. I knew it all along. Mm-hmm. How, you know, come at me. Come yeah. at me now. Now that it's popular. And yeah, I've de- that, and, that's, and again, and that's not though, universal, but I've definitely seen no, that. But, and yeah. now 20 years have passed. A whole generation has gone by. So liking Marvel stuff a is something... Of a, 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 a century has gone by, for God's sake. Yeah, well, that first Iron Man movie came out in 2008. Yeah. If we go it's, from Blade, it's, it's been uh, a quarter yeah. of a century. Yeah, the, the, yeah. People, people were born the year... Uh, Iron Man came out or in junior high school now. So uh, it, it's it's a whole lifetime now has gone by with this were, stuff being popular. You were born when Spider-Man came out. You can you can drink. Yeah. 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 Weird, right? <laughs> Weird. Not, not, not yet. Cause that was, uh, very close. Was 20 years ago. But, very, um, very close. You, you, you can all, you're almost old enough to drink. I'm sorry. I was thinking about when Spider-Man was supposed to come out. Not when it actually came out. <laughs> it got pushed back because of the whole... Yeah. That, I love it. There. But anyway. Um, so yeah... The, but that chip on the shoulder are now coming from people who were grow- were growing up when that stuff was already popular. Yeah, it's liking not the Marvel same thing. comics was not never not hit for some of these people. Yeah, so it makes you question like where is where, we where just, is that antagonism did, coming well, from? Well, the, the, antag- from I think the, the antagonism people. was coming from the discourse that they were uh, exposed to when they were younger. Yeah, yeah about so, how this is how you should feel about these things. Like you haven't necessarily so this, this that, like, that's not necessarily the shared experience. Now. Yeah, so sort of like this this massive shared crucible mm-hmm. of surviving bullying is kind kind of codified nerd culture for a long time yeah. uh, it was the sa- the safe space people could go to yeah, it's, you could gather online mm-hmm. find other people who like that stuff and really thrive and find yeah. you know, a place where you can be comfortable with other fellow enthusiasts and now again everyone's experience is different and even though this is considered mainstream popular there mm-hmm. may be situations in which you particularly grew up in maybe a certain family or a certain community where it was still you were still ostracized for one reason or another, or maybe mm-hmm. uh, you experienced this with different forms of media or different interests, or different subjects in school or whatever. Mm. Uh, but regardless, I think the point is made though. We we've all got to be a little bit more sensitive. 
Uh, and so let's uh, let's you know, we, with not not, oh. not 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 necessarily the whole let not necessarily like hmm. say oh we have to let everyone enjoy everything, but we need to remember that everyone's a person and we need to live with, live with empathy. Yeah, so that's all. We just can't we can't lose our empathy when we get you know. But at this at the same snippy. at the same time we're allowed to hate what we hate and uh, you know if, if within reason. I mean you're allowed to hate art. I think yeah, I, well, I hate Transformers. I don't think you're allowed to, you know, there's certain things. I, you're, I don't, I don't hate a person for loving Transformers yeah. though. I just hate Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that's, that's the line for me. Yeah, I think the, that, the wor- that would worst, be inappropriate. The worst I'll say yeah. about somebody is, well, okay, maybe you don't have the best taste. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's the worst I can say about that. a person. That's, we're allowed to disagree on And having bad taste doesn't make you a bad person by any no, means. No, in fact, a lot of people might think your taste is perfect. <laughs> so who cares? It's just a matter of, of that's just, that's what taste is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's very personal. My taste buds mm-hmm. are weird. I don't like it when chocolate and peanut butter are together in things. I think that's of, awful. I'm not a fan of that combination. I don't like uh, peanut butter with anything. Peanut butter is fine by itself. Mm, I like peanut butter by itself. We're with bread. Obviously, well, like on bread, bread but yeah. crackers, etc. Uh, vegetables, maybe. But like once you like, and, and, once you start and, putting a, a sweet thing on it, like chocolate or jelly. Jelly, like, mm, jelly yeah, I'm fine yeah. with because jelly I kind of grew up with. But generally speaking, I totally agree with you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's well, all matter. That's, that's what taste is. It's supposed to be really uh, distinctly personal. Mm. So yeah. yeah, your your personal taste is your personal taste, and yeah. uh, you know if we disagree, fine. Uh, we can I, we can have a, I, I a can mild s- joshing about I it. I s- hope, but like you know, that's sniff it. at uh, quote people that mm. is groups of abstract groups of people for yeah. li- liking a popular thing, but individuals, I'm not going to get on anybody's no, case. It's fine. Anyway, uh, anyway, that is it for We've Got Mail this week. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for writing in. Wonderful crop of questions this week. Um, of course, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. If you would care to email us with your own questions, concerns, corrections. We love getting corrections. That's how we grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, please let us know. Again, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. If you prefer to send us a letter or something else in the mail, it's always appreciated. And uh, we always make sure we read those. Uh, Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send us a physical letter. P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. You can also find us on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. If you want more Bibs and Whitney, we've got, a, and I realize, again, it's kind of a slow week for our podcast on the main channel. We still have a ton of exclusive shows on our Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, whole seasons of Star Trek. We've reviewed every single Star Trek uh, per episode and or movie, uh, and we're up to the second ep- uh, second season of Next Generation right now. Mm. Uh, so there's a, there's a ton there. We've reviewed all of Firefly. We've reviewed all of the 1960s Batman. We're going to be doing some addendums to that, so stick around. We've got commentary tracks. Uh, a ton of stuff. Mm. Patreon.com slash Critically Acclaimed Network. Thank you to every single one of our patrons. Without you, we wouldn't exist. Uh, and that means the whole world to us. And I think that's it. That's it. So thank you, everybody, once again for listening. Thank you. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back and hopefully back on track uh, next week. Life is hard, but we have each other. And that's why I love this podcast. So as long as we got each other. Something. Silver spoons and family ties. Growing pains are Rhoda. <laughs> Thank you for being. Give me a break. Saint Elsewhere was twenty one jumping street. <laughs> all up in the goodbye. Together riding a tiny train. <laughs>
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.